Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. I'm Dr. Tarun Agarwal, and I would like today to talk about a, in my opinion, a very important topic, a topic that if you can take this and actually implement it into your practice and put it into place, you will grow team members, grow your practice, and fill your practice with team members who are on the same page. Now, before we get started in talking into our program about developing champions, team member champions in your practice, I would like to make a disclosure. And that disclosure is that I receive financial uh, support from Densply Serona. In other words, I'm paid a small honorarium to be here today to present this. Outside of that, I have no financial interest in any products or any materials that may be discussed today. Uh, There are times where I wish I did, but I don't. So let's kind of get moving along here. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about me uh, and find me on the web, you can find me at tboneSpeaks.com, and I'm all on, I'm on all social media channels uh, at T-Bone Speaks. And of course, I have what I believe is a fantastic podcast called T-Bone Speaks Dentistry, and we'd love to have you subscribe and listen to it. And we do some training with 3D dentists in Raleigh, North Carolina. So listen, we are changing and seeing lots of changes going on in our profession. The fact that we're doing this virtually tells you that there's something significant going on. And no matter what any of us tell you, myself included, any other speaker, no one can really predict what's happening and what's going to be happening next and how it's going to go. But one thing I can tell you, one thing I've learned in my own career is that no matter what, the most and single best investment you'll make is yourself. In other words, how are you going to grow? How are you going to make things better for yourself? How are you going to make that happen? And whether you're a team member, whether you're a practice owner, whether you're an associate, whether you're your rep listening to this, the most important thing you can do is consistently invest in your own knowledge and growth so that you can always make yourself indispensable and valuable to your practices. Now, before we get going, I always like to kind of give a brief clarity thing here. And that is, when we're looking at or participating in a lecture, number one, I know and I hope that you're focused on this solely and not so many other things going on around you, but is to look at what is our intention? What's important and what matters? What are we trying to fix? You know, so we got to get clarity about what we're hoping, what problems we're trying to solve so that we can get better. Now, for many years, I've been talking about this business model where you take your practice and you move from uh, majority general dentistry to add advanced dentistry. And this is where so much of the technology uh, that these uh, manufacturers provide to help us grow our practice. But what happens oftentimes is most dentists get stuck in this area where we're doing just a little bit of advanced dentistry and we're doing pretty well, but then we never continue down. And what I want people to do, what I want owners to do, what I want you know, 10 plus year practicing dentists to do is to understand that we need to develop to a point where our focus is mainly advanced in what I call emotional dentistry. And those patients come from your general dentistry pool. As we grow our practice, as we grow our hygiene department, the goal should be to continue to grow our procedure base so that we can continue to pick out new procedures and more advanced and emotional procedures that allow us to continue to make more money and spend less time in our practices. And I want to say this, 
dentistry does not have a case acceptance problem. Dentistry has a diagnosis and communication problem. There is no shortage of patients in our practice. There's no shortage of patients that need any number of services in our practices. The shortage is our ability and comfort to discuss these things with our patients and to have an influence on them to help them move forward with things that they want to do. Now, the number one challenge and that we're all facing that we all want to do is we want to increase our business. We want to grow our practice. Now, there are three ways to do this. One, we can choose to raise fees. Now, for many of us, that's a legitimate option. For those like myself who are at a heavily PPO-based environment, raising fees is a little bit more difficult. Because if you're a network and 70, 80% of your patients are in network as well, then raising fees only get more write-offs. Another option is to see more patients. But truthfully, how many of you want to see more patients in your practice? How many of you get up every day and say, you know what? I think it would be much better if I had one more patient or two more patients on my schedule today. And the truth is, outside of those who are in a startup phase, most of us don't believe that or need that. What I want to focus on is doing more dentistry. In other words, doing new procedures and services and doing more dentistry on, the, on less number of people. In other words, quadrant dentistry or half-arch dentistry, uh, things along that line, so that way we can uh, grow our practices. Now, before I introduce my team members and we have a panel discussion on developing champions within your practice, let's take a look at some research that I did from 2018. In 2018, I had about 5,000 dental professionals respond, and I asked a simple question. If I were a patient in your practice today, which of these procedures would I be able to get in your office? Now, when it comes to sleep, ortho, and implants, and some of those things at the bottom of the screen, what I did say is that you must be doing, you know, a minimum number of them. 24 is the number I said. So in other words, 24 implants a year, 24 orthodontic cases a year, 24 sleep devices a year. And the reason I came up with that number is I want you to have some level of competence in this. In other words, it's not one of those things that you look at or do once a month or once every other month or once every while, but something that you're doing relatively regularly. And the numbers were quite shocking to me. And this is what the numbers were. Now, if you take a look at this, once we get past uh, root canals, less than half of our colleagues are providing these services. In fact, I, I kind of categorize these into your top five procedures and the bottom five procedures. The top five procedures are dental school dentistry. These are things that we learned in dental school. These are things that are heavily controlled by insurance companies. These are things that the hourly production is relatively low. And these are the things that's more important are dentist-driven, you know, outside of hygiene, obviously. But for most of us, when you do a direct restoration, you have to prep the tooth. When you do an indirect restoration, whether that's chair-side CAD cam or whether that's um, uh, with the laboratory, you have to prep the tooth and you have to do the delivery. When you do the extractions, that's a 100% dentist-driven procedure. Root canals as well. You know, so all of these procedures have some of the positives to them, but negatives to them as well. And then when we get to the bottom five procedures, the procedures that less and less of us are doing, these are procedures that, quite frankly, we did not learn in dental school. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but when I was in dental school, we were all, these, all these procedures we were told were specialist procedures. And if you actually come to think about it, the highest percentage of profit and revenue in dentistry are from specialists. These are procedures that are continuing education-based. In other words, you've got to learn them after school, whether that's through a residency, through uh, advanced education. These are procedures where insurance is less and less of an issue, whether because insurance doesn't pay for it, whether because it's elective, or whether because the dollar amount goes so far beyond you know, the piddly amount that insurance pays, uh, but less and less insurance-driven procedures. The dollar amount per hour is significantly higher in these procedures. And what's more important is these procedures are team-driven, okay, significantly team-driven. And that's really what we want, procedures that pay better, procedures that have less insurance headaches, and procedures that require less and less of the dentist. 
Now, what I would like to do is have a conversation about how we're developing these procedures in our practice. What are we doing to help us do more of these procedures? Because many of us have tried in the past, many of us have taken education, but we've come back to the office and we've fallen flat a little bit. And before we kind of go there, I want us to remind us of Starbucks a little bit. When Starbucks started uh, in the early 80s, 90s, 70s, 60s, I don't, I don't know, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I can't tell you, but Starbucks was one thing. It was coffee. But today, Starbucks is not just coffee. You can get food at Starbucks, you can get tea at Starbucks, you can get um, frappes at Starbucks, you can get almost like milkshake type things at Starbucks, at least that's what I get when I go there. Um, You can get cookies, you can get cake pops, you can get so many things at Starbucks. And often dentists or speakers use the Starbucks analogy as delivering value and creating an experience. And I don't want us to learn that from Starbucks. Of course, that's there. But what I want us to learn from Starbucks is their business has grown exponentially by servicing the same customer base, but giving them more reasons to never go somewhere else. You can literally, Starbucks is literally open all day long, and you can literally go there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner at this point in time. And that's what I want our practices to become, a place where your patients can get nearly every procedure done in a single site. And that's really going beyond traditional dentistry. And to really do it, to be very good at it and be successful with it, you have got to implement team members into doing that. So to kind of wrap up this section, the power of 5%, uh, if you only got 5% case acceptance, you wouldn't know what to do with all the dentistry. And I know that sounds counterintuitive to all the things that we've learned and all the things that the gurus will tell us, but here's the truth. One out of five or one out of eight patients in your practice have sleep apnea almost roughly a little less than half of your patients have some type of orthodontic malocclusion. And roughly one-third to uh, 40% of your patients are missing a single functional tooth. If you only got 5% of those patients to say yes, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. You would be so busy. But we've got to get off the hamster wheel. Now, What do I focus on when we're trying to develop and grow our practice? I focus on three things. I focus on our patients, I focus on our team members, and I focus on the clinical aspects. When it comes to team members, it's really three things. How do you address their time? How do you address their fear? And how do you address their money by making dentistry affordable? And we don't have time to go into that today, but really, affordability is not about the price you charge but it's about how you make it fit into their budget with monthly payments. Those are the three things we look at when it comes to patients. Now, when it comes to clinical procedures, I want to create diversity. In other words, I don't want to be a practice or a dentist that's really driven on any one procedure. I want to have diversity in the procedures that we're providing. I want to learn to be efficient. Now, I want to warn you about efficiency efficiency is not always about how fast you are at something, okay? You cannot have a decrease in quality at the expense of increase in efficiency. Efficiency is a balance of quality, costs, and time that you're doing this. And then, of course, we have to have predictability. Predictability is super important when it comes to our clinical procedures because remakes, redos, seeing patients again multiple times, wreak havoc on our schedule and cost us a lot of money and create heartache and headaches in our practice lives. And of course, what we're here to talk about today is our team. Three key concepts that I want to talk about. Number one, the concept of replacing yourself. We have to teach our team members, and for team members listening, you have to embrace the concept of learning to replace yourself. It's counterintuitive, it's uncomfortable, and it really... It really tests you a little bit. Number two, you got to know the score. I want team members to know the score of the departments that they own. And I want doctors and team members to understand and create an environment where it's safe to fail. You know, if you focus on these three things with your team members, 
teaching them how to replace themselves and helping them understand that replacing themselves doesn't mean that they're replacing their job. It simply means that they're moving up to a better and more useful place in your practice. How to know the score because you can't win a basketball game or win a football game or win anything if you don't know what the score is. And then you're going to have to try and fail. If you never fail or you don't fail, then you're not trying hard enough or you're not trying risky enough. And we want us to be doing that in our practices. So I'd like to introduce two of my team members. Liz, how are you doing? Hi, good. You've been so quiet while I was doing this conversation. I know. It's not really a conversation. I'm just talking to myself. Yeah, we're used to that. And Meredith. Meredith, how are you doing today? Hello. Good. Good, good, good. Uh, Meredith is... um, well, very different positions in our practice. We'll come yes. back to you and talk about that. <laughs> and Liz uh, has been my chairside assistant uh, for almost 11 years now. Good 12. 12 years. Uh, she, well, that's not a truth. She was my chairside assistant for about nine of those 12 years. And then about three years ago, two to three years ago, we moved Liz into a new position in our practice uh, as this, what we call the sleep champion. Uh, and I want to kind of talk about that today, Okay. Uh, let's talk about the concept of champions. So when I say a champion, uh, look, we're all full of winners, okay, in our practices. But when I say champions, what I'm referring to is the concept of a store within a store. Now, many of you have gone to department stores. I don't know which ones still exist today, but probably let's say Macy's or Nordstrom's or something. But when you go there, and I'm really way out of my, they're <laughs> laughing because I'm way out of my league. I'm here to one. help if you need anything. <laughs> but when you go to Nordstrom's and you go to the makeup area, which certainly I haven't gone to, but it is a great example of our dental practices. When you go to the makeup area, there are specialty counters where someone is selling Mac, where someone's selling Bobby Brown. It's pretty amazing that I know these people, don't I? Yeah. Somebody's selling Chanel, Revlon. I don't know if Revlon exists no, at that, Nordstrom's. No, no. Okay. But, uh, but, it's a drugstore brand. Well, whatever. It all works, man. I, mean, I, I would be happy with drugstore brand personally. But what I, what I want to say is, is that person working that counter, their sole job is to focus on that product. Now, they certainly support the overall store and they pitch in where needed, but they are experts at Bobby Brown makeup or MAC makeup. They know which products are best, what, what, what works with skin complexion, all the things that I'm not going to go beyond that. Uh, is that a fair statement, Meredith and Liz? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good example. Mm-hmm. Now, for the guys listening, that's like when you go to Best Buy and there's the Apple counter and then there's the Google counter and then there's the Verizon counter and they have a person there that literally is focused on just those products. But they and, still work for Best Buy. But they still work for Best Buy and they kind of support the overall team, but their sole focus is to focus on those simple, those singular products that we have. So that's what I mean by developing champions. Liz, for example, has helped develop and grow a sleep program, a sleep apnea therapy program. And I would argue that certainly there's a role that I play in that and in bringing the procedures in, but there's a role where I'm busy doing dentistry and how am I going to implement something new and different into our practice if we don't have somebody doing it? Now, Meredith, uh, at one point, was doing our orthodontics in our practice. And the same thing. We were ready to build it, develop it. But I didn't have the time to do it. I was busy doing implants or busy doing restorative dentistry. And so, but we wanted to develop ortho in our practice. So we developed what, what, what we term a champion so that their focus was there. So let's have a conversation about this. Yes. Have I done a good job of explaining that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go to you, Liz, first. Okay. okay. So the number one thing I probably hear from people and when we teach and talk to people is the fear that team members or doctors have of someone leaving their chair side uh, because I think that's the, the number one thing. Like you had made my life so easy yeah. for so long uh, that I was very afraid of having you leave my side uh, and having to go through that pain. Uh, so that's a fear I have. What were some of the fears that you had in terms of uh, kind of moving into this new role? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants? 
the feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. So the fear for me was I've been chair side assistant for a long time. I was comfortable. I mean, <laughs> I thought I was good at what I did. Um, had a relationship with the patients. You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just told me I was okay. I'll admit I'm, <laughs> I was only ever okay. <laughs> I'll take it. But I knew I was... I needed to move into something else as I got older. Uh, physically, assisting wasn't going to be long-term for me. Okay. But it was it was a fear of, you know, I've been doing it for eight years. Right. You know, it's scary. What's so scary about it? Well, for sleep, it was new. I didn't know anything about it. Okay. So I was going into a role I just had no knowledge of. How do I talk to patients about this? How do I run this column? I, I, I had to d- develop the whole program a little bit from scratch. Right. So let's talk about that for a second, okay? So sometimes part of this is a leap of faith, correct? Right. You just got to jump off, okay? And I, I think a mistake dentists are making is that they wait till they're ready for this person and then bring that person in. And mm-hmm. my argument is, is it's a startup, Mm-hmm. Okay, just like we didn't start, I didn't start my practice with patients. I just started it, right? right. And we grew into it. Okay. So when we're doing sleep, we're doing a startup. My mind mentality was yeah. we're doing a startup, and we, startups require people. Because we had tried it, right, a couple years ago, like seven years ago, and I didn't like it. Right, I didn't understand it, and I think we did like ten. And that part of that was because we were doing it in between patients. Yeah. Every once in a while, if a patient came about or we lucked into one, yeah. and right. then, then it was, and my guess is... If they asked. Yeah, if they or asked. Or that was kind yeah. of the same way. And my guess would be is that you, we didn't love it, you didn't love it because we didn't do it enough. Right. And you're yeah. uncomfortable. Didn't do enough and I didn't have a flow down and yeah. yeah. It's a lot of work when you're just doing one here and there yeah. in between all your other patients. Absolutely. So... How do we get over this, Liz? You kind of just want to go all in. Like, it's not, nothing we've done has been successful. We just didn't go all in and try. Like, we were willing to just do things at cost, just to get familiar with it, um, build confidence in what we were doing. So, that helps. Okay. I think a lot. It really kind of went into about four years ago, 2016. Yeah, about three, four years ago, yeah. Yeah, which I'm about to remake my... Third, I have an original, a third one today. It's from 2012, this is going to be your third Sleep Appliance. That's awesome. Which is great. So, um, Meredith, what would you say, uh, having been on the outside, having been here for five, six years, and, mm-hmm. and seeing Liz go through that process, uh, what, what did it show you in that sense? Yeah, so I was kind of the exact opposite of Liz. I watched Liz go into that type of role, and she really she changed a little bit. She was kind of more reserved, soft-spoken. She took on this role and you could tell she had a sense of pride. She loved what she did. She had a passion for it. And I don't think she saw that coming, but all the patients saw it. They, the patients loved her. They knew coming back every time they would see her. Um, she loved it. She had way more flexibility, was on her own schedule and that kind of thing. And it really just fit. And you could tell because she was supported by the team, by the doctor, that she was able to grow with it. Yeah. Would you agree? 
I would, because I, as I started doing this more, um, I saw the change in the patients, like saving marriages a little bit. Those were always the good ones. Um, but the fact it was like on the patients, like, like they just it changed their lives. Yeah. So it made me feel good. So talk to us about the first step, okay? So I said, I, you know, well, number one, I, I think you should share with people your reaction when I asked you to do this. <laughs> oh, no, you just told me, like, you're going to take over sleep and you're going you're gonna to do it today. Yeah. And I just yelled at you and yeah. cried. And cried. You went home and cried, huh? Not cried right in front of you. Yeah, that's true, too. I, I didn't want people to think I made you cry, but that, yeah. that's it's embarrassing. It's just frustration. Like, if you what are you throwing at me? If you haven't cried, you're not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so how did, you, what, how did you get started? I mean, how did you go from leaving chairside? Because the truth is, is we didn't leave chairside no. right away. It, okay. You had to, we slowly worked it in. We, um, at the time, it was two associates. I was still worked with you about three days. And then Thursday, Friday, I did the overflow, I did the ortho, the consults, and sleep. Yeah. Um, but, and we tried two people doing it, me and Megan. Right. And that wasn't working very well. It's, we just like, one person just needs to own it. So, yeah, because patients didn't always come back at yeah, the same it's, time. Yeah, we're alternating. So then Megan started going, she'll focus on treatment care coordinating, and I'll go focus on sleep, and you want to see how it worked. Right. Like, and I was worried we wouldn't have enough patients. Talk to us about that, okay? So what was your worry about us not having enough patients? Um, well, I was going to do, uh, it was going to be, to be honest, overflow columns kind of busy with, with, with ortho, too. Right. So I was doing Invisalign, I was doing consults, any emergencies, and then I was like, okay, sleep will work in a little bit. But we started getting more sleep patients and we right. were finding them in hygiene like quite easily. I thought I was kind of surprised. So a lot of them needed that person to send to me. Like they, right. like I wasn't available. Okay. So we found that I needed more, a little more free time and then I need more um, admin time to help the hygienist find these patients. Right. Like I need to go through health histories. I needed office time. So I had to start, you, st- you got mad at me when I said I have enough time. You're like, well, that's your fault. You didn't block yourself off. Right. So that kind of comes into that concept of replacing yourself. So we try, we started by working it into our practice on the days I wasn't there, Thursday, Friday, but we had a dentist in the office. And then what, you, what we found was that we were building momentum. And then now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we were losing patients because somebody wasn't readily available. So that led us to the concept of replace yourself, correct? So at that point, we had to make the decision that we no longer could have Liz working with me chairside, which was a big fear for me. Yeah. You know, that's a big fear for me. So so then the step was what? What was we the had step? To, I had to replace myself. So I had we had to hire an assistant for you, which is not easy. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> why does this make fun of me, Dave? Yeah. Is this a roast or a panel? <laughs> and you and the patient kept looking at me like, you lasted longer than the other ones. <laughs> so though I had to I had to train someone to deal with you. Right. Um. And that was hard for me because I was giving that up, yeah. but it, it needed to happen. You're willing to do it. It was hard for you. I could tell. Oh, it was very hard. It's yeah. not easy. That's and you did this fear a lot. Like, oh, but she's, I can't do my day without her. Yeah. And you definitely get you, yeah. less attention as a champion yeah. when you're not right by their side yeah. all day. But you trusted me. Yeah. So that's why you thought I would be a good person for this. Yeah, I think that's something that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Liz. I think that's something that's important to, uh, to bring up. I think one of the mistakes I made in the beginning with sleep, uh, and this, you substitute ortho implants, whatever it is in your practice. One of the mistakes I made is I went outside of my practice uh, to, uh, to bring in somebody to do this. But that person, while a fantastic person, didn't have a relationship with my patients, didn't have a working relationship with me, didn't have a working relationship with the team members. So then I, that's why I made the decision that let's have Liz do this. She's been around. She knows the patient. She, you know, I think she has enough trust in me that, hey, if this doesn't work out, we'll move back. We'll find another role yeah. for her. And I think that's probably a fear, isn't it? Yeah. You gave me freedom to fail. Like I, so I, I knew I would still have a job. Yeah. So... And I think that's important uh, for any doctor that's listening, a practice owner, is, is you can't expect someone who, who's making a living from your job to suddenly just openly accept the concept of not doing what they're trained to do. You've got to make it explicitly clear with them that you're there to support them and that you're there to make sure that they have a job and that you greatly appreciate ex- this experimentation. And that's what it is at the beginning. It's an experiment. What were some of the challenges that you faced in building sleep? 
At first, I didn't know anything about it. Okay, so, I had so to we take, had to get educated. I had to get educated, take classes, learn. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> yes. And then kind of just running it by myself. Okay. I was, uh, you know, I would bring people in, get some info, bring you in. You were mm-hmm. the one that actually built that relationship with the patient. And they would right. trust you and move forward. Procedures like implants is what I used to focus on. Right. So it was me kind of start to finish. So the patient meets me. I'm the one that has to build that relationship, um, earn the trust, um, feel confident in what I was talking about, and building the value of what I do. So yeah. it, it took a good six months for me to get comfortable. I for you to get comfortable. For me to get comfortable in, okay. in what I was doing. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here, bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all-annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. Yeah. And see, part of that, the reason it's good for me to know is I just assume people are comfortable because I, to a certain degree, become comfortable very quickly with something, but not everybody moves at that pace or has that level of confidence. So it took some time to get there. Yeah, I did. What are, what are the what were the new things that you had to do as a champion or as a as a, as the leader of this uh, specific service, sleep apnea in this case? What were some of the new things you had to do that were kind of outside your normal role as a dental assistant? So what I was comfortable with taking impressions, the records, sure. the easy part. Um, it was learning to read sleep studies and yeah. convey the information to patients and. In our office, was a little unique. I didn't know how to talk about finances, but right. as an assistant come this role, talking about a $2,000, $2,500 appliance to patients is kind of hard for them. They're not right. used to that. A $2,000 piece of plastic? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> That's where we're building the value in it. You mean that I can get for it. $99 online? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They're used to handing that off to someone, a right. care coordinator. Or somebody from the front. Yeah. yeah, they don't usually deal with that. So that was easier for you? It was a little easier for me, but I know that's it's hard okay. for assistance hygienists. That's usually not their role. What about going out and into the community and helping to bring in business yeah. ultimately? That's still a little hard for me. Yeah. We know that. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's that's new too. So you get a confidence in going out, what you're talking about, trying to build those relationships. And it's 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 like hit ten, get one. Like you yeah. have to be get used to a little bit of the rejection, which is yeah. kinda hard. One thing I would say is being part of a champion is you don't have to do it all. No. I think that's where people feel like they're gonna fail. Right. Because they feel like they have to do it all. They feel like when I say you own the product, right. you literally yeah. are everything. Right. So Liz did, doesn't love going out into the thing. So she has someone else in the office go, right? Which oftentimes was you. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but that's fine yeah. because we're, we're all a team, right? right. Yeah. So if I didn't have patients in the afternoon, I could go out. But that's part of being the champion. You can delegate other roles. You have to roles. learn how to delegate. Yeah, and you can have help, but you ultimately are in charge of making sure it gets done. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that scares people, though, is that you're all on your own. You're doing it by yourself, and you get incredible support from your team and your doctor, and that's what makes you be able to be a champion, yeah. I think. Ultimately, the buck does stop somewhere, right? Right. 
But the key is, is like Liz, you want to take time off, correct? Yes. So when you're gone, uh, and but this is part of the process, right. right? So again, this doesn't all happen at once. In the beginning, it's about getting comfortable. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, we'll move to ortho here in a second. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, and the reason I want to focus a little bit more on sleep is I know it's an area that so many practices want to implement. Right. And consistently what I see across the board is practices that are successful with sleep, they have a person leading the way right. not named doctor right right because the doctor is busy doing teeth right okay and you need a team member so we'll call it the first six months liz got comfortable with herself yes okay got comfortable with the knowledge got comfortable with the processes you know you were pretty comfortable with the seric scans all that stuff in the, the beginning clinical. we were doing that right you know it, it's not that much different but learning to recognize sleep studies and have conversations with patients yeah. and i define the patients i do you know train my hygienists that they're my referral source right you know i have to you know we had to help each other right out a little bit so i have to like here's a patient i think would be a good idea to bring up here maybe how you can do it and then i'll just pass it on to me if they're interested in talking about it so, so you make it easy for them i'm trying to make it easy for them yeah. yes yeah and that's that's a, a a really important point that i want to emphasize to everybody is i think a common mistake that practices make when they're implementing a new procedure especially sleep apnea is the first thing they do is they go out to sleep physicians and they go out to the medical community and my argument is you're not ready to go out to the community until you learn to develop the referral source from within your practice called hygienists and what that's what liz just mentioned here was you have to train you have to you know train your hygienist uh to do that so part of replacing yourself was training others when you're not here uh training someone to take over your old job in the practice even though you kind of never get away from it you know um and then now you're, you're training other people to do it because our goal is to now grow beyond just liz in our sleep department. Our goal is to move to the next step. Now, talk to us about knowing the score a little bit. We haven't talked about, you mentioned failing and going through all of that, but how, how important and how different was that about understanding kind of your pipeline, how many cases you're doing, where they're coming from, you know, which hygienist refers the most, which outside sources come in? How important was that? No, I need to know where they're coming from, and I need to recognize that, especially yeah. my hygienist. Um, I've got to, you know, once a month, I, I whoever was sending, I'm not asking them to, I'm just asking them to refer a patient to me. Like how many, who, who gave me the most to give in home sleep study to or help right. plant the seed. So I keep track of all that. And uh, my referral sources too, or maybe where these patients, primary care physicians, I'm seeing multiple ones that I should be going to um, because I need to feed my pipeline right. a little bit because we've, since I've taken over, we've grown each year. Yeah, we want to continue Because this is that. my, yeah, we want, I, I like my job. I want to continue doing this. So I got to um, keep adding in there. So yeah. it's important to know your score. Like I, I have a number in mind and I know how many, how far away I am for the end of the year. And I told you I'd give Damon your bracelet if I hit it. Sure, no problem. <laughs> my wife apparently has pre-bought them, I guess. So um, last question for you, Liz, on the sleep apnea part. If you look back four years ago, this was probably a position that you didn't want to do and that you were uncomfortable doing. Yes. Would you go, do you think you could go back or would want to go back to traditional dental assisting again? No, because I did it today. Yeah. <laughs> and so what, what is the main difference between what you're doing now and what you did before? As an assistant, I, there was nothing I thought of I could go into where I owned that. And so I, I like having that ability. It's my column. I run it. Um, I like seeing it being successful. I like helping the patients. And I like I can do it with really bringing out, having you to do so much with it yeah. a little bit, kind of show you, you know, it, it was, I liked learning something new and running it and helping other people do it too, actually. Yeah. And uh, what I would tell you is you've done a very nice job. Nothing's perfect. Yeah, but, perfect. Uh, <laughs> I was going to work on something. No, we've done a very nice job. And, and to me, the most important thing was is that we were able to experiment. We've experimented. We've learned along the way. We've hit hiccups, yeah. medical insurance hiccups, referral hiccups, you know, all kinds of things that we've dealt with along the way, changes in dental board laws, yes. things like that, all these things. But uh, we're, we're able to adjust and accommodate to them. And uh, that's that's been very good. Yeah. So, Were you surprised how many patients we found in our practice through the years? I wasn't surprised at how many patients we found. I was surprised at 
how when we took the barriers out of the way, how many patients wanted help and how many patients were willing to listen. And to me, uh, that was quite surprising. But I, I will tell you, uh, most dentists, when we work with them, uh, are really shocked at how many patients are in your practice that likely have obstructive sleep apnea. You know, we are a bigger country than we used to be, or, uh, and, and we have more health issues, we're living longer. All of these things feed into uh, having sleep apnea issues. So, yeah. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. I appreciate that. Your turn, Meredith. Hello. <laughs> so I was kind of the exact opposite of Liz. Um, Liz loved her job. She was comfortable. She was great at it. And you kind of pushed her to do the next step because she was great at it. And you really trusted her. I was not a great dental assistant. <laughs> I was hired as a dental assistant while I was in college. And I was you never hired as an intern. Intern. And then I became a dental assistant. I was never really great at it. So I learned at the front. And I how'd was you, good. How'd you, how'd you get to the front? Um, well, he sold me on it <laughs> that he needed help up there. Um, but I he said he trusted me and he wanted to see what was going on. And if I could learn some of that, it would help my career. And it did. Um, so I learned the front and then I decided I wanted to get back in the back. But like I said, I wasn't a great dental assistant. I didn't really love it. I just wanted something different and I wanted something I think to be proud of. And so I took on ortho mm -hmm. and we didn't have a program going on as much for clear aligners then uh, same kind of thing asleep we were doing one here and there whenever a patient asked yeah basically a patient basically came in begging us to do it right otherwise we just sent referred them all to the orthodontist, orthodontist yeah. i mean a lot we did a lot of referrals too and so i kind of took that on and learned it and well, yeah, that's not the full story it. you asked the first time. oh yeah and he said no yeah he said he had some, he wanted to ask his assistant then. Right. She had been there a little while and he felt like she deserved it. She was a great assistant. And then she wasn't really interested in it. No. Um, she I, liked what she did. Kind of yeah. the same thing as Liz. She was comfortable. She loved what she did. So a couple of weeks later, I was like, so do you, what did you think about the ortho? And he's like, yeah, no. I'm like, okay. Like a week later, I'm like, so I have my first ortho patient yeah. next Tuesday at 11. <laughs> so, you know, not everybody's going to be that fortunate to have somebody like that. But you bring up a good point that I, I want to talk about. And we've had a lot of dentists ask us, how do you know who the champion right. should be? Yeah. And my argument is, for me with sleep, I knew I knew sleep was going to be difficult. Uh -huh. I knew it was going to be a challenge. So for me, I wanted the person I trusted the most, right. and the person that I knew would would just have enough faith and trust in me mm -hmm. to give it that six to nine months that it was going to take to get there. Get going. Okay. Yeah. Now, when it came to all the other stuff, like ortho, for example, I kind of put it out there that this is something we want to grow and do mm -hmm. more of, and I want somebody to lead it, and then I just kind of waited for somebody right. to show up. Yeah. And, and that's what happened. You showed up, and you said, okay, I'm ready to lead it. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not ready. Yeah. But like a, you know, like a, hey, a hungry person, you said, hey, I'm ready to do this. I want to do it. So what I want to tell team members out there is, is you got to have a little bit of faith and belief in yourself. And you got to put yourself out there a little bit. Things aren't just handed to you. In fact, my argument would be is that most dentists, most doctors, most owners typically don't want to move somebody that's performing well in their position and take them to something else because, like, for example, it's hard for me to find a chairside assistant that can do surgical cases, complex restorative cases, all the different type of procedures I was doing. That, that took time, Yeah. right? So I, I would argue that you have to put yourself out there. Right. And when all that came on, I had to replace myself up front. Yeah. So we ended up hiring a patient that we <laughs> right. liked. And she's continued to be that for me. And she's been able to grow and I've been able to move and teach her. And it's been a really fun yeah. thing within the office. So I think maybe we should have, Liz, do you mind switching yes, out with Michelle for a second? Yeah. yeah. 
Michelle, let's go. Let's have a conversation. So uh, while they're doing that, let's continue to talk here, Meredith. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would you tell people that... Because here, here's what I believe. I think the dentists are holding team members back. 100%. I feel like the doctors are scared with who to choose. Um, they say, they're, I, I have so many great team members. It's never that they don't have somebody. Right. It's they don't know who to choose. And I tell them all the time, it's... It's not really the clinical skills. It's being relatable. It's somebody who will put in the work. I mean, it's not easy. It's a lot. So it's a different kind of work, right? Right. Being a chairside assistant is like physical labor. I mean, you're running all day. You're cleaning up. Not that you're not, but it also requires a lot of busy work, a lot of office work. And sometimes that means during lunch and after work, and you have to be willing to put that in to be a successful champion. And I think... They're worried on who, you know, they feel bad for somebody having to do that and they don't, but they're making their skills better too while they're better in the office, right? You know, my argument for, for say for Liz, for example, is, is she's made herself like indispensable to a certain yeah. degree. Now I'll never be, I obviously never allow ourselves to be held hostage or anything, but she's made herself valuable, right? right. She has her own column and, and the same thing happened with you with yeah. orthodontics, right? Is, right. is you learn the front, yes. which by the way was a big skill in helping you with ortho, I think. Right. I mean, sleep and ortho, probably one of the hardest things for assistants <clears throat> would be learning insurance. Right. Cause that plays a big role in case acceptance and presenting the care to the patient and being able to check it right then and there while having patients in the office. So that's probably one thing that's difficult. Let me introduce Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hello. Say hello to everybody. <laughs> Hi. Okay. So uh, I brought Michelle on a little <clears throat> unplanned, but uh, uh, for a couple of reasons. One is when Meredith, and I forgot about this actually, Yeah. when Meredith moved from the front to do, start doing Invisalign, uh-huh. you know, yeah, we started with one or two cases, but at that point right. I was like, if we're going to go in, we're going to go all the way in. So at that point, we needed to find a new person for the front. Right. And I didn't take that on as myself. Right. Okay. I mean, I, I've said at this point, Michelle, Ma- Meredith, if you want to, yeah. if you want to do this, you need to find somebody. Yeah. And I still, I want to say that I still went to the front and helped, but I couldn't leave the front with nobody and still only see one or two patients. Yeah, so in order to work. be able to even start, this was a little different. I had to have someone. I couldn't just see patients on Thursdays or Fridays. Yeah. And so that's where Michelle came in, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, talk to us about that process of, um, so let me give a little bit of context here, okay? Because there's double replace yourself here, yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when Meredith wanted to go to uh, deal with our clear liner ortho program, she needed to find somebody for the front so that we could dedicate the time that I knew it, I know it takes to really build something. Uh, you can't do it in between. Uh, so she found Michelle at that point to uh, to to work in the front, and then when Meredith was when I asked Meredith to move into the three D dentist role, now we needed somebody to take over our ortho program, right. uh, and that's where kind of Michelle kind of just followed suit there. Yeah, okay, it so. was a no brainer. It was like when I met Michelle, like I related to her. I knew she was similar to me, so the patients. It was easy transition in all aspects and it's been great yeah so what was that like for you uh coming because you had how much dental experience did you have when you started at the office um, i interned when i was in high school <laughs> that's somebody not my office same but somebody else's <laughs> yeah, office. i had none <laughs> okay so um so talk to us about that process of 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 me getting out of the way and letting you train her uh and 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 how'd that work well i think that part was easy easier mm-hmm. than Probably normal, I would okay. say, um, because we did relate and get along, and it made it easy. Um, Minus the women drama, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's always, you know, a thing. But oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Um, I don't even think you really knew what was... I think it's hard sometimes for the doctors, especially to know what's going on at the front. Well, you know, you know, indirectly, you know, by, you know, because as you make laps around the office, you kind of see what people are doing. You kind of, you know, as your collections go up and down and your AR goes up or down, you kind of know whether or not somebody's in the front as you, you know, because we've always built a thing where patients can contact me directly. And I know when things aren't going well, when I start getting a lot of contacts from patients. Uh, and stuff like that. Michelle, what was it like for you to come in and uh, 
to start a new role where you, you didn't know what you were doing pretty much? Oh, incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. It was, even to this day, as I'm still transitioning into ortho, it's still a very big learning curve. Um, but I will say, especially having Meredith and Liz, every, having both of them as champions, but also as my leaders, it really helps me learn and just navigate as I try and figure out what my storefront looks like now. Um, you know, to some extent, Meredith has created a phenomenal ortho department. Um, but now that it's okay. Well, but no, like, you know, she, she, a lot of the patients, well, and it's funny because even to this day, even when I started, people are always like Michelle or Meredith, like we're the same person. Um, but Meredith is the one that started the ortho department, right? you know? And so I am now stepping into Meredith's shoes, but and I'm still sticking with what Meredith implemented, but then I'm also trying to turn it into my own department at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, oh, go ahead. so to give a perspective, well, before Meredith took over ortho, we were averaging eight to 12 cases a year. And I think uh, before you kind of left, we were right at 50 to 60, somewhere in that ballpark cases per year, uh, which, you know, again, for some people that may not be a lot. To me, that sounds awesome. Uh, to go from 10 to 50, that's a, that's a, you know, to go for, let's call it 12 to 50. That's quadrupling your business. So what I want you to talk about, Meredith, is, is where, where did you get, what did you do to grow the business? Well, so it's funny that you say that because I did, I wouldn't have been able to do it without Michelle. Okay. For her to take on the front duties to give me time Mm -hmm. to look into the patients, to, um, star patients. I mean, half of the patients I went back through patients through hygiene Mm -hmm. that we had mentioned it before. It had been mentioned for years in their notes, but no, there was never anyone available to take the scan. The hygienists were too busy or the follow-up, right? There was no follow-up. So they all kind of just fell through the cracks. So a lot of it was that also Michelle was doing the marketing at the Mm -hmm. time. So we did events. We had a party one time that nobody showed up at, but it was a fun party. We had a nice team meeting, and Dr. A made it safe for me to try it. And if it didn't work out, it was okay. And I'd then, like to do another yeah. one. <laughs> you know, our marketing was working because you were popping up on people's Snapchat. Yeah. So the ads were working. <laughs> yeah, I was getting, you were in my email and this kind of thing. And then um, we did events. So we did start to reach out once yeah. we got through the office, but I think, um, it got to the point where people were starting to realize that we actually had a program for years. People were saying, Oh, I didn't know you did Invisalign. So I went to the same orthodontist. Um, yeah. I, so I went to the same orthodontist that my kids got brackets at and they do clear liners. And so it was like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we do that here. We could have done that case. Right. Yeah. So talk to us about the marketing. Okay. So how, how did you, what were you doing? Because look, I wasn't very involved in it. Okay. Because right. I, I don't, I mean, I understand marketing. I understand yes. the, the concept of attract, attracting customers and things like that. What I don't understand is, is the consistency of it and doing all that. So talk to us about what, what was it? Was it fancy stuff, simple stuff? It was simple stuff. And for the record, I have a science degree. So mm-hmm. for me to learn marketing and all of that, that's also something that was new and I had to figure it out what that looked like, what the tips and tricks were. Um, But really, it wasn't anything fancy, but it was just, especially in our particular area, we were really trying to target people that were around our age, um, young professionals interested in ortho. And so we really just went based off where, what platforms Meredith and I were most on. Um, So we really started to dig deep just on, you know, for example, Facebook and learning how to... um, boost those posts and things like that but it was also we did that like photo shoot in that summer that one year where we had matching dresses and we brought a blow-up flamingo and we were trying to itero his beak and all of that and you know we really tried to just make it fun and eye-catching yeah absolutely so uh with digital impressions Mm -hmm. clear liners um we, we wanted to market those services, correct? Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing that we did is we started putting up subliminal boards in the practice mm-hmm. where we have signs up that say we provide ortho, you know, straight teeth in less than a year or straight teeth right. you know, without braces and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you create the subliminal marketing. And the beauty for me was I didn't, have, I didn't feel the pressure to do it myself. You know, but you remind me of another thing that I I think uh, people need to understand is that um, 
when you're learning something new, when you're taking on something new, I don't believe that all of that learning time is on my dime. It's not right. from eight to five. I, I have a firm belief that when you're learning something, when you're doing something, I look for a good champion that they're putting effort in from 5 p.m. to 8 a.m. Now, I don't expect them to give up their life and all of that stuff. But if you want me to believe, if you want me to float what it takes, I want somebody to put some effort into it outside mm-hmm. of work hours. Because when we're, work hours are game times to me. That's right. like, that's when the game is played. So to me, it's what we're doing afterwards. And th- that's a lot of that, those ads, a lot of that marketing, mm-hmm. a lot of those photo shoots, all that stuff was being done, you know, outside of normal work mm-hmm. hours. Certainly the event was done mm-hmm. outside of normal work hours. And even clinically, YouTube, I mean, yeah, you're old books and yeah. just learning it and getting better at it and more comfortable practicing the serex scans practicing right. you know all of the software the the web-based softwares and stuff doing all of that you got to learn that it, right. it takes time webinars yeah in the evening time oh, i'm all the time about them i'm like texting you you're like yeah. okay <laughs> i'll talk to you tomorrow <laughs> so, so what was that like uh michelle for you how much clinical experience did you have None. None, right? Okay. <laughs> we'll be honest. No, oh, but we wanted to be yeah. honest, right? So what was that like taking over uh, orthodontics? It's a lot. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's, I'm grateful because it's something that I'm very passionate about. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's able to drive me forward through the days. And, you know, realistically, I'm only a couple months into this new position. So it's still fairly new. Um, and with, also with the ortho, I'm also doing a little bit of, limiteds and consults yeah. and all of that you know today I did my first, fill in yeah today I did my first implant consult and yeah. I have to say I one of my biggest fears was switching into this role and as cheesy as it sounds I was still am afraid of failure yeah. you know I we was afraid of you know disappointing you or letting down the team or you know that was always my biggest fear and so the fact that you know there's been a couple consults where I could have done, I could have handled it a little, not handled it better, but I'm still learning clinically that not every case that walks in is maybe something that is, we're best suited for, but. Or we should be doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, and I don't know if that has to do with me being on the business side where I'm like, someone's like, here, you know, I'll pay my down payment. And I'm like, well, thank you. I will take that. Um, but there's never been a moment that you've ever gotten angry or upset with me. Not externally. But <laughs> but I will say I do, the team member needs to present themselves in a certain light. Like every time we've had a console, I've come to you and said, yeah. how did that go? What could I have done yeah. better? And that's such such an important thing uh, is to, to ask for the feedback mm-hmm. and to, you know, I always joke that if I'm not talking, when you start at the office, if I'm not talking to you every day, that's not good because mm-hmm. there's no, whether you're great or not great, we all have nuances. Mm-hmm. And I want to get to know people and, and understand their thought process. And to me, we can make mistakes. It's, to me, it's about the thought process behind the mm-hmm. mistake. What were you thinking? You know, why, hey, why do we do this? What, what went through your mind? Mm-hmm. And, okay, so what can we learn from this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so that, that's certainly part of it as well. Um, so I, we kind of have a few more minutes here. Uh, so what are some of the benefits of having champions? One, as the owner, uh, I have somebody who is building a new, a new vertical in the practice, okay? Sleep apnea, ortho, implants. Uh, at one point, we tried tongue ties even, mm-hmm. and that didn't, that didn't, you know, but that's the beauty of it. We try something. didn't work out. I didn't like the screaming babies. <laughs> wasn't worth it for me personally uh, for our practice, so I, I didn't want that there, Right. You know, we, we've tried all kinds of things. And so that's one thing. We got to, I need somebody to develop those new procedures. Like, for example, I just went through IV sedation training. Right. So there's got to be somebody that owns IV sedation in our practice, somebody that owns sedation, that understands all the processes, the, the regulations, all of that stuff that goes with it. Um, the other benefit to the team members, it's, honestly, it's less physical. Uh, you know, uh, I have so much respect for dental assistants. It's such a hard job. I have so much respect for dental hygienists. And by the way, uh, some of these things that we're talking about are not limited to dental assistants alone. They're, they're great procedures for dental hygienists as well. Uh, and, um, you know, they're, they're valuable procedures. And you get to help people. You really, you really, you help yourself because you prove to yourself you're capable of 
so much more than you thought possible. Um, and and you, I, I'll always argue, let you learn skills that will go with you no matter what industry you go into. Building a product in a practice from zero to something is a skill that transfers to an auto dealership or a, mm-hmm. you know, or a cycle bar, for example, or whatever it may be. It's a skill that, that goes with you a long way. So those things are important to me. And bottom line is you control your destiny. Yeah, you know? it's rewarding. Well, it's financially rewarding too mm-hmm. because one, you're helping the practice build something. Mm-hmm. And then, then, and frankly speaking, I know a lot of dentists hate when I bring this up, but when you're building something and you've built something and you establish baseline goals, then you control your destiny. You control how much you make. You control, for example, I know Liz is not here right now, but there was a time where money wasn't the number one motivating for her. She wanted more time off. She wanted some time to be able to take more vacations or whatever it was. And we worked through that. We talked about what does that look like? What do we got to do? How do we do that without hurting our business? You know, because at the end of the day, we are running a business to a certain degree. So uh, are there any other things that you guys want to mention in any of this, Michelle? Anything from you? I think... This applies to both the doctor and the team members is just to be open to the experience. And I would say that applies to the champion, but also the other team members that will be supporting them. Um, Yeah, It doesn't happen if you don't have team members that are behind you 100%. Absolutely. Like I can tell right now, and Liz does a great job about it. Meredith did a great job, but just getting the team members excited about sleep and ortho. I mean, it takes a village for us to succeed, yeah. but it takes that one organized, motivated team member to get it to be successful. Yeah. Somebody has got to be the buck stops here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one thing is don't be afraid that you're going to lose your job. I think that's one thing is people get a, almost like hard to let go mm-hmm. yeah. of what they were doing. And, um, you know, I never felt like if I didn't succeed at ortho, I wasn't going to have a job. I may have been, a medical biller or a biller or something I did not enjoy, but I never felt like I wasn't going to have a job. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that I think scares people is losing their spot. Yeah. And a lot of that is an internal fear mm-hmm. that certainly has some legitimacy to it. But a lot of that has to come from the, the owner of the practice right. that you have. If, if you really want people to put it out there and take the chances and do all of those things, then you yourself have to make it safe for them. Mm-hmm. You got you got to you got to tell them. You got to say, "Hey, I've got your back." You know, let's put some time into it. Here, here are the progress points. Here's the success path. You know, and I've talked about this a lot in, in our programs. Is the success path of from being a zero to a hero? You know, if on Sarek, for example, I start right. with we got to learn how to image first. Right. That's the most important thing. Assisting first. That's the first thing that you can assist with. Assist me with. The second thing is learn how to finish restorations. Mm-hmm. You know, staining, glaze, polish, all of those things. And then the last thing I want you to learn is how to design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to me, that's the success path. I try to lay it out for them. On on same thing on sleep. Same thing on ortho. We have to lay out a success path. We have to define success. Mm-hmm. And success has to be something very specific. It can't be more. Yeah. You know, it has to be a number, a number. I mean, at the end of the day, it has to be a goal, a goal, goal. that the, the champion or the team members believe in. And they're responsible for. And, uh, and, and we have to work through it. You know, mm-hmm. we have to work through what is it going to take to get there. We can't just arbitrarily say, hey, I want to do 150 sleep cases. Right. In it two months. <laughs> it doesn't just magically happen. So I have a question for yes, you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Ma'am. Um, as the doctor, so I think a lot of times they set up, oh, you're going to be the champion. Two months later, they say, this isn't working. This isn't working. What do you think is a good time frame to give someone to figure out if they're going to be able to develop this or make it? Yeah. So first and foremost, I think it takes six months to really get your bearing straight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, what I tell doctors to do is I want you to walk into it with a six-month commitment. Right. Okay. But I don't want you to always wait six months to make the change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think within a month to a month and a half, you'll know whether somebody is committed to this. Mm-hmm. And that is what they're doing from 5 p.m. to 8 a.m., what actions they're taking. When, to me, one of the biggest tells is when somebody's not doing great, how quickly do they come to you and say, hey, we're already behind our goal. You know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm doing everything I can, but when not adults, 
coach me right mm-hmm. you know when somebody's coming to you and asking you for those are great signs mm-hmm. you know it's not always the result that's the great sign it's it's when the result doesn't happen is a great sign but i always say you got to give somebody six months okay. you got to give them six months but you'll know within a month to a month and a half whether this person is going to succeed or not and they may be teetering on it and you just got to give them time right okay mm-hmm. uh you're building a, you're building a new store within your practice mm-hmm. and uh so if you want to do more sleep if you want to do more ortho, if you want to do more implants, if you want to do more sedation, if you want to do more endo, if you want to do more whatever it is, assign somebody to run that program in your practice. Assign somebody to take care of that. And I'm going to leave everybody with this last slide here. Slowing down is sometimes the best way to speed up. There is no question that a key to all of this is slowing down. You have to give your team members and team members, you have to take responsibility. As Liz mentioned briefly earlier, you have to set aside the time that it takes to properly work through, follow up and build all of this. If you want to do this in between patients, it's not going to work. Okay. 90% of the time, it's not going to work. You may get lucky and have it to work or have it to work at a limited level of success. But if you want to be successful, go all in. Commit to building something from new. Slowing down is the best way to speed up. I promise you, we've done it multiple times in our practice, and it works. If you have questions, if you want to get in touch with me, again, it's at T-Bone Speaks on all social media channels. I'm sure they'll have my email address and contact information here for you. And I look forward to seeing many of you. And thank you so much for staying safe helping us all get through this tough time together and for being present at this virtual version of the Densefly Sirona world. And I hope that I get to see everybody in Vegas. Vegas is no offense. Virtual's nice. <laughs> I like sitting in my basement. But there is way more fun uh, to be had in Las Vegas, even though I go to bed at 9 p.m. <laughs> yes. every night. Thank you, guys, and have a great day. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.